Hi everyone, welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. Praise the Lord, amen. I was just sitting here in prayer a few minutes ago getting ready to be here with you guys. And I started to think about the faithfulness of our God, how no matter what is going on in this world, I thought of that scripture in Colossians chapter two. Um, I, I'm not sure about the exact verse, but I know that it says that by him, Jesus Christ was all that were all things created and by him do all things consist. And I thought, oh, Lord, we have everything to trust you for no matter what anything looks like. Amen. So before I get started, I just really want to take the time to just offer a great thanksgiving to everybody who has been supporting this little humble green pasture for a very long time, new and old. Amen. So I just want you to know how much your prayers and your financial support has meant to this. I mean, I really couldn't do it, do it without you. I mean, the reality is I do it because he's given it to me to do. So I know it's all him. But because it flows from you and your prayers and your gifts, they make this all possible. And I know it's because he's flowing into your life, right? He's a life-giving source. And so I just really, from a humble heart, I just really want to thank you so much. And also for your brother and sisterly love and the friendships that we have made through this time. And, you know, uh, before I get started again to one last thing, as I was praying, I said, Lord, thank you. Be with us today. And just like it was the day that Cornelius had sent for Peter and Peter went to his house and all the people were there, friends and neighbors who were there to hear from God. So truly, that is why you're here not to hear from me. I'm just a blade of grass reflecting his glory. And it is my prayer today that you will come into contact with Jesus by virtue of his Holy Spirit, because he knows many of you are hungry and thirsty and you want to learn. So praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I just find such satisfaction and joy in coming to you and not just for myself but lord on the behalf of others who are listening and will be listening as long as this video or podcast will last lord people will be hearing my voice but it's the sound of your voice that they hear i must decrease that you would increase and i ask you lord god to lead me and to guide me into paths that you want me to go in with the current of your living water. Lord, spread your wings over every person that will hear. Block out the noise of the enemy. Shut his voice so that the sound of your voice will be crystal clear. And Jesus, I lay down this message and I give it to you, commit it unto you, and I yield myself unto you. And I ask that you bless me to be 
a simple vessel that pours forth the ointment of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm going to talk to you guys today about sanctification. And somebody had written to me a couple days ago, and she was talking about studying the word. And um, she asked that um, maybe I'd say a few words about sanctification. And, you know, sanctification is a word I think that either, I think it kind of scares people. It feels lofty. It feels like a high religious term where, you know, you go sanctification, justification. And it sounds like it's only for the lofty believer, the, uh, like it's unattainable. And what does it mean? And what do I have to do? And it sounds like there's not even a tinge of love in it but something that the believer must do and have to go through and, and has to give up and has to, you know, just there, there's, there's a heavy weight to that word for a lot of people. Some of you would say, no, I love it. But there's many of you that really just don't understand the blessing of sanctification. And it's a long word and it sounds like a dry religious word, but it is a word that comes from above, from outside of time where our God dwells in the eternity of eternities. And, you know, everything I say and do, I want to always, like J.I. Packard said, his last words before he passed away were, I want to always be remembered as one who pointed to the pasture land in heaven. And that's why I do this. And I know in my heart that God chose a humble person like me a person that has just a very common life and has seen some things and gone through things just like you. And that's such a touch point for us, isn't it? So I just praise the Lord so much. And I just, I don't know. I just really want to just say, welcome here. Welcome here. Bless you. God bless you. The Lord bless your life. The Lord bless your ears to hear. The Lord open your eyes. God bless you. The Lord himself, Jesus Christ, look upon you to bless you and give you understanding and give you peace and let his light shine forth upon you in this message because this is the will of God, it says in 1 Thessalonians. I believe it's 5.3. I have it written down just so I would be absolutely sure unless you want to look it up. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And so I want to go over five points of sanctification. I'm just going to go over them briefly. Then I just kind of want to roll with it. You know how I do it. But I like to have things in order, just like when there were sacrifices made, they placed the wood on the altar in order. Everything is to be done with good order, right? Not chaotic. Now, um, I want to share something brief. So I had a dream and I want to get into the details of it because that's for maybe another day. But I had a dream um, where I was being shown in graphic detail that the enemy has not just power to cause people to sin, 
transgress, depart from the Lord, commit all kinds of evil, blinding people's minds, blinding the ear eyes, stopping the ears. But he also has deceptive power that's so great that he can lull and will lull and is lulling millions of believers to sleep and they don't even realize it. That is a power, a deceptive power that the enemy has. So I woke up from this dream and I was so disturbed and I went out to my living room and I sat there and I was like, well, Lord, you know, I mean, I, I was going over the details. I just want to stop there because I don't want to get away from talking about sanctification, which is going to go right into it. And so I sat there and I said, Lord, I said, um, wow, I saw exactly what you wanted me to see. And you have given me understanding because there's things he has to show us sometimes in dreams where we can't receive it when we're awake and we're functioning you know, and mostly our outward man, right? Because this outward man is for this outward world, but our inmost man or innermost man or inward man is for the kingdom of God. And so as I was reading my Bible, I thought about it in prayer and I felt the Lord beginning to speak to me and he was very clear with me and I felt his presence and I was communing with him because even though I say, after I pray, I read my Bible, but I always say to him, Lord, I'm saying to you, amen, but my door and your door is still open and I'm still listening. And so there's times where he'll continue to reveal things to me, say things to me. And, and I, my mind was very much thinking about what I had just seen. And then I, I heard him within my heart say to me, um, I want everything you do to be pure. Every word that you speak to be pure because I'm pure and my word is pure. And I know also too, he showed that to me. Uh, and I know that I know that I know by witness in my spirit, by the Holy Spirit, because he's so near to come. That he wants us to be a people that are truly understanding what it means to be pure and to be holy. We serve a holy God. We serve a God who is pure. And, and so there's things about sanctification. He was showing to me about myself. Now, I'm not going to get into personal things about myself. But I started to understand. Maybe I'll just say it. You know, there's things like maybe I'll let a word slip and I'm kind of like, well, maybe you shouldn't say that word. I'm not talking. I'm not a cusser. I do not cuss. I don't slip and use cuss language. OK, but I'll use other words. Or a word or something, and I kind of feel like a little touch on it. Right. And I'll think, well, I probably really shouldn't say that word. I mean, it's just not good. And then I find sometimes that I'm like, well, okay so just don't say it anymore then i do it again and this is something he was getting at like um there comes a point where god's not going to put up with illicit behavior and i will say this to you that are older in christ and this should speak to you even though you're younger but i'm telling you as your older sister in christ 
be careful what you deem to be okay. See, sanctification means being set apart, being set apart from this world. We know it says in the world, come out from among them, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and ye shall be my sons, and ye shall be my daughters. I will be your God. But there is something that he says you got to do first. Now, as I'm unpacking this, just be patient, because I know that there are a lot of people that might be listening that are feeling exasperated. You want to turn this off. You're, you're feeling some kind of weight, like there's going to be some weight put upon you. No, that's not Jesus. And I go his way. And his way is easy. His way is light. Now, he'll convict. He's the convincer of sin. And, you know, there does come a point now, I said to the older brothers and sisters, I say this to you, and this was to me. He does get to a point with us older ones where he starts doing some finishing work on us, where it's not okay anymore. Because the younger ones are looking at us. The world is looking at us. And his will is sanctification. It says in the word in 2 Corinthians 3.18, for we who with unveiled faces do reflect the glory of the Lord, for he is changing us into his likeness with ever increasing glory or from glory to glory he is changing us and making us like his son now what we look to who we look to we reflect really the look on your face in isaiah 3 9 god says the look it says the countenance of thy face uh what's that word he says um, it's like it's it tells on you. I forgot the exact word. Um, but there's a look on a face. This is why he hates the look of pride. He says the looks of pride he'll bring down. And our faces do reflect a light that's not of this world. That's not of any false light of Satan. And, you know, I want to bring something to your attention because I saw something before I go into the five points of sanctification. I was, I've been in the book of Hosea and I came across the scripture and it says here in chapter four, verse 11 through uh, uh, verse 12 and 13. It says, my people ask counsel at their stocks and their staff declareth unto them for the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to err and they have gone whoring from under their God. Now that caught my attention because I thought, ah, from under their God. 13, they sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills under oaks and poplars and elms because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore, your daughters shall commit whoredom and your spouses shall commit adultery. You know, and I thought, you know, that scripture. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that in uh, uh, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And, and so what happens is we don't realize what we're putting ourselves under. 
it's a very gradual thing. We start to find something else that it says here that has a shadow that feels good. But we got to be careful what we put ourselves under because whatever we put ourselves under, and it can be something that we ourselves are misinterpreting in the word, that we are letting slip and do something. Um, well, God knows my heart. Well, God knows I didn't mean it. You know, there's grace for all that. And he will forgive you. He forgives you today. But I'm talking about a sanctifying work. I'm going to say this again and again. Sanctification is a work of separation, a setting apart. And it's not just where, okay, you're here and they're there. It's not a better than. It's a purging. It's a purification. And it's ongoing as long as you shall live. But to the older ones, I say, there comes a point where he does say, where he does have expectation of us where it's like we should know better right like any of us who have older children and or even i'll just put it on myself i mean i myself have caught myself saying things or doing things where i have said to myself Joan, what are you saying it like that for or even that tone okay this is very personal this is not to put on you you have to take yourself to the lord you have to you have your own walk I'm just sharing my walk with you. But I, I get to a point where I go, mm -mm, it's not enough. It's not good enough. You've done that long enough. You said it long enough. And that does not reflect the glory of the Lord. It doesn't reflect whom you serve. You know, it's see, there is a difference between um, just being like, okay, I'm born again. I'm in my, you know, there's like some things that we do that we think sanctify us. It's not things that you're doing really that's sanctifying you because anybody can say you know i i go to church i you know it's like the the you know i tithe i do all these things but your character is rotten and you're quick to gossip and you're quick to say a lie and you're quick to do everything god is just as quick to forgive you but there is a point that god gets especially the older you get that he will start doing a work on you because Look, none of us know how long a life we have, whether we die and go to be with the Lord or the rapture comes and to be off this earth is to be with him. But until that day, we're walking, okay? We're walking in the Lord. And so what I've experienced in the Lord is a sanctifying work of God is done in stages that is commensurate with your age. You know, whether you're brand new in the Lord, two years in the Lord, 10 years in the Lord, 50 years in the Lord or more. God is going to deal with each one as he deals with our children. Look, I, if you've had children, we've caught our older children doing stuff like, what are you doing? You're too old to do that. Stop it. We put an end to it, right? Because it's not commensurate with the age. There is growth. So one of the Holy Spirit's functions in the believer's life is to cultivate Christian character, Christ-like character, is to transform us right more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this is sanctification, and it is foundational to the teaching. And Galatians 5, I like Galatians 5 because there's a list in that chapter that uh, talks about walking in the Spirit, that 
they that do these things, these are the people that walk in the spirit. They live according to the spirit. So let's start with number one. Sanctification is the work of God. So all our efforts are useless apart from the work that began at the cross where Christ died for you. I, lo I love Hebrews 10.10. 10. It says, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So anything that we can add nothing to his cross. The only thing that we added to his art we can add to his cross is our sin. I love something um, Oswald Chambers says. He said, when you when we come to Christ, we bring nothing to him but our sin. And nothing that we do, you know, is I mean, he appreciates what we do. He knows that we have a sincerity if you are sincere in the things that you're doing and stretching forth your hand, opening it your hand wide, stretching forth your arm, opening your hand wide, doing those things that we know God says to do. We do that. Um, and that sanctifying happens in your heart. Because anybody can stretch forth your arm and hand a $10 bill to someone. And God will use that, yes. But I don't want to backtrack. I just want to come right down the middle here. You know, Oswald Chambers said, God, God is not shocked at sin. He's shocked at pride. Because anybody, and I'm speaking to the Christian, the people that are unsaved, I'm not talking to you, but to the people that are Christ identifiers, people who have made an open profession of their faith. You know, so I'll tell you something. Better be careful. You better be careful when you tell people you're a Christian. How many times have I told people, oh, I'm a Christian. Next thing you know, I was doing something that tore that down in an instant. So be very careful because when you when you you're like you're bearing the name of Christ, just like what Ananias said to Paul the Apostle. When Paul the Apostle he said, Paul, he said, Saul of Tarsus, he said, God hath chosen thee to be a vessel that bears his name, that you would preach him to the Gentiles and, and unto kings. And unto all peoples. And so, you know, when we carry his name, now this is very important because I'm going to direct your attention to the fact that we do serve a king who is ruling and reigning right here and right now. And how do how do how do we grow up to be the children of God in under his roof? You know, I think about what Gideon said to Oreb and Zeb, the Midianite kings. After, the, you know, they were getting ready to, he was getting ready to kill him. And he said, because he knew that all of his brethren, his brothers were killed by them and their armies. And he said to him, what were they like? He said, whom you killed. Who were my brethren and those that king answered and said oreb he says they were as thou art each one of them resembled the children of a king 
See, you are going to resemble who you were born from. Who are you resembling? See, the I'm talking about what the Lord was doing with me. I'm taking nothing for granted because he came to me directly. And in things everybody else would go, well, that's ridiculous. He doesn't care. Well, he must care. You know why? You as well as me were vessels that bear his name. We're servants of the Lord. How are we looking to other people? I say this to you, whether you're young or whether you're old. And so, but that sanctification, that first thing begins through the offering. It says, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And so the work of God's spirit is in us now. You know, Paul highlighted the Holy Spirit's role with the repetition of the phrase by the spirit, by the spirit, by the spirit. He's always saying it by the spirit. You see that sanctifying work, that's his work in you. It's not just to convict you of sin here or lead you there. It's a, it's such a multifaceted work, but it's a work of sanctification because he is changing you little by little. He says he's changing you, making you like a son. In Proverbs 4:18, it says the path of the just is like the shining light, the rising of the sun that shineth more and more into the perfect day. And that perfect day is eternity. What do we look like after so long a time? I want, you know, it says in Galatians 5, I picked out the verses 16, 18, and 25. He uses the phrase sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Um, you can check out those verses. In Romans 15, 16, Paul says, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ. So I'm talking about people. All of us want to work for the Lord, don't we? It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a pulpit. You don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to have a YouTube channel. You just have to be you, where God put you, where he saved you. If you were called being a servant, be the Lord's free man. If you were called being a free man, be the Lord's servant. Amen? Serve him right where you're at. Don't look beyond unless he's, he's putting a, a call on your life. You know, you see that word go, arise and go, arise and go, go therefore. Go is a word of commission. And so if he's telling you in your early, in your day, whatever it is that you're doing, go, get up. He's commissioning your daily life. Your life is not random. It's not just a series of um, blasé, even though it may be blasé and mundane. They're the days he's ordained for you to walk in before the world even began. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to revisit that. Okay. It says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So any work that you're doing, whether you're raising your children, whether you're an executive, whether you're a teacher, whether you're at home, you're retired, um, you're in a nursing home, wherever you are, even if you're able to listen to this while you are incarcerated, Christ is sanctifying you. He has a sanctifying work and he's serious about it. Everything about your life he purchased with his blood and he has taken full responsibility to make sure by his spirit that you are a people being prepared 
for heaven. He wants a prepared people. And so he has a purging and a purifying work. That's why so much, it says, if you, if you suffer with him, you shall also reign with it. It says, this is a faithful saying for second Timothy 2, 11. This is a faithful saying that if you, if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. And it goes on. So I just want those two parts. Suffering is the fire. Suffering is suffering. It's always going to be suffering. There's nothing else you can say about it. But you, when you suffer according to the will of God, that's First Peter chapter 4. But if you suffer in the will of God, if it be the will of God that you suffer, then let him commit his soul unto keeping, unto uh, as unto well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. Because when you are going through suffering, it is hard every second of it. But the fact that you are committing yourself unto a process of well-doing, that's part of a sanctifying thing that is happening. Because look, it's never going to be avoided. It's never going to be avoided that we're not going to go through awful things, painful things. I'm going to keep going. It says in Galatians 5, 16 through 18, I guess I can just say it right here because I told you, said you can look it up. But it says here, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. And then I just skip down and it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And it says in Romans 8, 13, he said, it is by the spirit that we are able to put to death the deeds of the body. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. That's, I like that. It's, it's the same scripture, but it's a different rendering. So let's keep going. Chapter, verse two, not verse two, number two, sanctification. It involves our cooperation. Take note of the imperatives of Galatians 5. And you could read through that. Like there was a chunk I missed out because it's a list of the deeds of the flesh, which are obvious. So at the end, it talks about, but if we walk in the flesh, we'll put to death the deeds of the flesh. It says the imperatives are walk by the spirit, live by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. Whereas justification is entirely God's work and it happens at the time of your being born again. You, you, the just and the justifier uh, did that for you. And now you have been justified by faith in Christ Jesus. And the spirit of God now lives within you, whereby you cry out now to your father in heaven, Abba, Father. And he is able to do the things that you're asking through his spirit to sanctify you and mortify, kill off. Mortify is just an old, old word for put to death. And in Hebrews 12, 14, you know, there's a couple things. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And 2 Corinthians 7, 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And the reason why he doesn't say soul is he says, let us cleanse ourselves. See, there is an action we have to do. And to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit is because what happens a lot of times 
is we get involved in spiritual work and spiritual activity and spiritual things and everything becomes spiritual. But a lot of things that are spiritual are not always clean. There is heresies. There is misinterpretations. There are things that we're not uh, understanding right. Um, maybe we're getting involved with a wrong, we're kind of derailing in a wrong spiritual direction. And it brings a filthiness to our spirit. And of course, our flesh is involved because our outward man has its life in this world. And so we're being tantalized, I guess, in a way. Well, that sounds good. It's all the same thing. The Adam and Eve. Don't you know that if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be open and you will become like God? See, that's the whole filthiness of the flesh and spirit. You know, we got to stick to what is pure. Just like my actions and even a word that I should never use. And I put it down. I said, Lord, I'm tired of coming back to you and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm so I know I shouldn't. It's like, no, today it ends. You know, and the Lord was very strong in the way he spoke to me. And I was like, Lord, I'm done with it. I'm done. So let's keep going. Sanctification is an ongoing process from the time you're born again until he takes you off the earth. As I said, it's a continuous process that we grow into holiness. You know, we want to appear before God. We want to pray, who shall ascend, Psalm 24, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up a soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall think to receive the blessings of the Lord and the righteousness of God. See, we want to come before the Lord and we want to have our hands dirty over here and telling ourselves, well, it's okay. Well, God understands. No, he's nothing like us. He, God, the father gave him a body of flesh to condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law would be perfected. And by grace, we stand. And we need to be careful because, again, like Oswald Chambers said, God is not shocked at sin. God is shocked at pride. So I want to show you here the Greek verb translated walk by the spirit in verse 16 of Galatians. The Greek verb is peripateo, which literally means to go about or to walk about. It's the same word Jesus used of the paraplytic when he said, get up, take your mat and walk in Mark 2, 9. The word walk also can be used to mean a certain walk of life or conduct. And Paul used a tense of the verb that reflects continuous ongoing activity. The word walk reminds us that sanctification doesn't just roll effortlessly down upon us. And now it's ours. It tracks resolutely up a more arduous path as steadily progressing toward the goal, but never arriving until that day that we see him as he is. And I like that. I love that verse where it says in First uh, John 3, 2, Brethren, now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall also appear with him in glory. Therefore, let everyone that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure for the goal and measure of sanctification is Christ likeness and no 
Jesus, we're not going to be exact. Look, he stands alone. He's unique and he must stand alone forever and ever. But we can reflect his glory. And that glory begins on the inside. It's not something you apply on your outside with degrees and check off lists of religious activities. God even told, God told Samuel, when God sent Samuel to the home of Jethro, Saul had sinned against the Lord twice and the kingdom was torn away from him and given to another one better than himself to a man after God's own heart. And he went to the home of Jethro and asked to see his sons. And the first son, Eliab, came in and obviously he was tall. And Samuel looked at him and said in his heart to the Lord, he said, this must be him. And the Lord immediately spoke to him and said, no, it's not him. For man uh, judges the outward appearance of men. But I judge the heart. See, God's not sold on a bunch of things we're doing. In fact, I think it gets in the way of what he wants to do through us. Because we think a bunch of activity is doing something. And yet all the while, we're strengthening our flesh. Our spirit man is growing weaker. We can't even discern the voice of the Lord. We've taken over like the Laodicean church. When he said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. But you are lukewarm. And I'm going to spit you out of my mouth for as for you say, we are rich and have need of nothing. He said, you don't even know that you're blind, poor, naked, wretched, and miserable. He said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. And that gold is exemplified by James chapter one, that our faith that is purged by fire when it comes forth will be that of pure gold. For it's by faith that we stand, it's by faith that we walk, faith in his name, faith in the one person. So the goal and measure of sanctification is Christ likeness. It's his purpose in our sanctification to transform us more and more into him and to refuse to be seduced into defining spiritual maturity in terms of all those religious activities I was speaking of you know, those sanctification checklists, you know, so on the contrary, Christ-like character is a measuring stick of growth in sanctification. Number five, the primary instrument of sanctification is the word of God. Jesus's prayer for his disciples were in uh, John 17, 17, sanctify, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so Jesus instructs us that God sanctifies us by his word. And Paul understood that God word, God's word trains us in righteousness so we may be complete. And that we would be whole and we would lack nothing. Let me now, let me just get through this now. You know, I was really thinking about this. This morning, I thought of that scripture that says, that in 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. And I felt like, you know what, Joni? 
you can't, this is, listen, I'm just going to share my heart to you. Take it or leave it. But I said to myself what I want. I said, Lord, I said, thank you for visiting me and putting your light on me. Because you know what? I don't want to walk like the people in this world. I don't want to sound like them. I don't want to have their conversations. I don't want their words to be in my mouth. I don't want my countenance to reflect the spirit of this world and of this age and of this time. I want the everlasting God, the King. And I thought about being an ambassador. An ambassador stands at the right hand of a king. He's a viceroy. He has he is sent as a dignitary representing that throne of a king and he goes to other nations and he has authority to do the things that he sees that he knows needs to be done and his word is as if the king is speaking he has that kind of authority because the king made him a viceroy and knows that man and trusts him to make right decisions and you picture a man like that he is dignified he he walks a certain way he talks a certain way he holds himself a certain way his conduct is befitting of a king when you know when jesus said he that believeth in me believeth not only in me but in him that sent me in john 20 after his resurrection he said to his disciples he said, as the Father hath sent me, now therefore send I you. And he breathed on them and they received eternal life. They received that new breath of life, that new creation. Let that breath that is in you, not the breath that you received the first breath of life out of your mother's womb, but from the womb of the morning. Jesus came from the womb of the morning, according to Psalm 110. And when you have been born again, you have been given a new breath. He allows that new breath, that eternal life breath. Let the breath, that new life live in you. Because you, if you truly, truly are a born again man or woman, then seek those things. It says in Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 3, if ye be dead in Christ, then seek those things that are above. Set your affection on things, uh, set your affection on Christ who sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. You're tucked away in him. Tuck yourself away in him. And when you're in his word, it does change you. It does change you. You, you begin to go from glory to glory. See, there comes a point where he wants to take you from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. And the more that you are being sanctified, he's using everything in your life. He's using it all. Nothing is a waste. No arrow that flies by day. No pestilence that's walking in darkness. No rejection. No nothing. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. And he's the hope that doesn't disappoint. So I want to say this. He is a king. You serve the king. We serve the king. It says in Jeremiah 10, 10. But the Lord is the true God, is, is the operational word. He is the living God, an everlasting king, 
at his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Then 29.10 of Psalm, it says, the Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. And, you know, we know he, that he came as prophet. We know that he's fulfilling his, his priestly role in heaven. He's still king. He's always been king. He's not not king right now, but he's coming to be king in the millennial reign on the earth very shortly when he sets up his kingdom of righteousness. And he wants you to be ready. He wants you to know that he is sanctifying your life. But do you resemble the children of a king? Who do you resemble? You resemble what you look at. Moses's face shone. He had to put a veil over his face. But we are those who receive the light of Christ. So we who with unveiled faces, we reflect the glory of the Lord. But whatever you're looking at, you're going to reflect. You know, there's a conduct. There's a way that you hold yourself. And you know what? You have to cooperate with the word of God. Whatever he says to you, do it. Like his mother in John 2, 5, whatever he saith unto you, do it. Just do it. And so what I'm saying to you, I'm saying because you are the children of a great of the great king. Do you look like him? Do you resemble the children of a king? Because you are going to reflect what you look at. Look at Stephen's face after he broke down the word, the history, starting with, you know, Abraham and at the end, you know, he gave this whole history in front of the chief priests and Pharisees. And it said his face shone like an angel. Actually, it shone like an angel before he even got started. Is your face shining? Look, if your face is shining, people are going to see something different about you. How you don't want to sound like the people of this world. I'm not talking about being some elevated high position. But you want to know something? You're no more of this world anymore than Christ is. Do you know that? So don't walk like this world. Don't walk according to the false light of this world. Don't compromise just because you want to be accepted. Don't even compromise a little bit. You know, people like they want, they want, oh, I want you to use me, Lord. I want you to use me, Lord. Yet they're watching all kinds of filth on television. And they're out there doing whatever it is that they're doing. And they're using, I know, I know Christians who use radical swear language. And I even had a person say to me, I know I cuss, but that's just who I am. And yet she's in church every Sunday praising the Lord. Now, I pray for the sister that the Lord changes that. But don't use the enemy's language in the same mouth that you use the name, that holy name of Jesus Christ. Choose this day who you serve. Choose life that you and your children will live, that you will live. But make a choice. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ, or you should be one. And like Jesus said, he that rejects me doesn't reject me. They reject the one that sent me. And when Jesus said, as the Father hath sent me, so send I you. And so in other words, if people see you, who are they seeing? The Christ in you, Jesus Christ, who are they seeing? Who are you representing? Your words, your conduct, all tell who you serve. Don't put yourself under the spirit of this world. Serve Christ and do it well.
he's coming again and he's coming for a purified sanctified people work along work with the holy spirit you do your part the spirit is always willing the flesh is weak stay in his word let him do his work let him prepare prepare yourself the bride makes herself ready because god isn't just see god isn't just ready when we're ready but when he's ready he expects us to be ready and he's coming for a purified people for a people that have prepared themselves for him so go forth arise and go